Hi, you're tuned in to Tari, and this is another Closeness Exclusive. Today we're taking a very intimate look at what a woman's body is capable of experiencing sexually. And the idea behind that is to open our minds up to what is actually possible. What can a woman experience? What can be done sexually that maybe you didn't realize or know before? If you are already a very sexual person, a lot of the stuff in this episode and the next one may just make you nod your head in agreement and say, yeah, I've been like that since as far back as I can remember. But for the rest of us, it serves as inspiration to know what can be done and what's possible. I know for a fact that there are hundreds of thousands of you out there who have not experienced some of these things before or have maybe never thought of them or think that it's the stuff that fantasies are made of. So in a way, it's a bit of demystification and eye-opening. And the idea is that we plant a seed because once you hear something for the first time, once you see something as possible or know something as possible, then it becomes attainable. We're basically taking a deep dive into a woman's pleasure and what it's possible to feel and what it's possible to have happen when you're able to turn a woman on sexually in a profound way. To me, sex is one of those loaded words. A loaded word to me is something that everyone knows the definition of and everyone has an association for it. So when someone's talking about it, you can nod your head and say, yes, yes, I understand. But we all have different beliefs and feelings around it. It's the same with power, money, God. When you say these things, you know what we're talking about, but you don't because number one, the topics are so huge and vast, right? You can dive into sexuality and talk about it for days and days and days and never come to any agreement on it with anyone and never get to the truth about it. There's just what we think and what we feel. But we do know that the body doesn't lie. And so we can acknowledge that along the lines of sex being a loaded word, it's on a spectrum. And there are people who have had horrible experiences with it, people who have had phenomenal experiences with it, and people who have both. And then there are also people who have no experience with it, where it's a topic that just doesn't really come up, whether it's because of your culture, your religion, your upbringing, your parents, controlling parents, things were repressed. But I have a belief that things that get too repressed always have a way of squishing and squeezing themselves out in other locations. So you can push it down, down, down all you want, but it's going to come out from a different place. Sometimes when you're having sex with someone, you can't quite put your finger on why they're so good or what about them is turning you on so much. If you've had sex with a handful of people in the past, maybe you've had really incredible lovers and maybe a few not so incredible ones. Ask yourself if you're able to put your finger on what makes someone a really great lover. Good sex comes from a number of things, but, but to me, something I've noticed over the years is that people who have been repressed sexually in their childhood in some way, again, whether it's been through a parent, upbringing, religion, culture, what have you, and they've then stepped into their sexuality and allowed themselves to be more sexual, these are some pretty incredible lovers because it's as if the rubber band has been pulled back, 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 back in the wrong direction. And then when you let it go, it pops and explodes all the way in the other direction. So I think that the people who have had their rubber band snapped, so to speak, are in a sense a little bit more passionate and a little bit more profound about being lovers and a little bit more open. 
but they also have the most layers you have to get through. After speaking to hundreds and hundreds of people about their marriages over the years, what I hear is that sex dies in a marriage. And there's ways to spice it up. And yes, there are couples who have good sex lives. But I don't just believe. I've seen firsthand that if you were to take a day in the life of the average married person, and by married I just mean someone who's been with someone else for a good period of time. If you were to zero in on their life right now and you looked at the last day, week, potentially even month, there would very likely be an absence of sex and intimacy. Not only that, but there are people out there right now who don't know how to initiate sex with their partner, who feel guilty or shameful about doing it, who haven't had it in so long that neither person knows what to do next. And just because you say that you've had sex doesn't mean that it was good sex. Was it rushed? Did the guy finish quickly? Were you into it? Were you distracted? Were the kids crying in the other room? Did you need to go to an appointment? Were you feeling fat that day? Were you feeling too skinny that day? Were you feeling unattractive to your partner? Were you having angry sex, right? It really is interesting because the funny thing is is that we think we all want to arrive there, to this married place where we have a partner who we live with and takes care of us and forevermore. But I think what the truth is with sex for most people is it takes sort of a back seat. And, it, and that's okay. It's okay for life to become about other things like commitment and family and friendship and closeness, which of course is the name of this podcast for goodness sake. But the whole reason we're going into all of this is because I want to speak directly to you if you are one of these people. If you're someone who's just not having sex for whatever reason, being tired, feeling lethargic, playing mom, um, a man who doesn't know how to shift you into that mood, it's gotten too monotonous. There's so many reasons why you might have stopped having sex. And so the purpose of this podcast is to show you what's possible in other women and in other men and to open you up to the idea of it. It's not to make you uh, jealous or to diminish what your body does or how your body works or how your mind works in any way, but it's for you to say, huh, if other people love this and other people are being pleasured like this, maybe there's something in there for me. That's the most important point is that maybe there's something there for you. So a lot of this is going to be very graphic, but in the most classy way that I can. If you've been listening now for a while, you know I've got sort of a disdain for trashy, unclassy behavior. And I do think there's a time and a place to use expletives to call things what they are, and that can be really hot and exciting. But in the delivery of this, I want to make sure that everybody can hear it. And it may not be your cup of tea, and it may be a little shocking and alarming to hear me use terminology like this, or to speak about such extreme things. But again, we're coming back to the fact that these are experiences with real women in the real world and not the accounts of one person who I met once. If I'm sharing it with you, rest assured there are tens of thousands of women on the planet who are built and made like this. And I share that with you because that could be you and that could become you if you desire it. So the attention here is to shine a spotlight on pleasure and on things that can make you feel really, really good. Because, friends, the years just go by. Time just goes by. And these experiences are so precious. Like, if you get to lay naked coupled next to someone, it is such a gift. Sometimes when you have a good lover, it just feels so abundant that you're never even thinking about this. You're like, yeah, I have sex every day. I have sex three times a day. I love it so much. Everything's going so well. But those moments are very special and rare. They don't continue forever. 
something big comes up, something splits you up, something bothers you. So that's an elaborate way to say that shit happens. We all know it does. So why not, on top of all of the other things that you treat yourself to that you like, whether you get your nails done or a massage or you like shopping or spending time with your girlfriends, why not also have incredible sex as well and learn how to ask for it? learn how to explore it, and learn how to open yourself up to the possibility of it. Especially if you've only had one partner in the beginning of your life or a tiny handful of partners, five, six people, before you settle down with someone, you've only experienced a very small percentage of what sex can be like. So you may have a type. If you've only ever picked, say, wealthy men or providers, that's a very specific driven personality that might not have enough time to put their attention on you. So if you've only ever had a handful of sexual partners, that could be very limiting. And on top of all that, if you attract a specific type of person, then you've most likely had very similar sex over and over again. And if you add to the equation that generally men are destination-driven, so they're trying to get themselves off first, or they don't put as much attention onto your needs, or even understand what the female body needs, you can see why knowing what's possible can be very helpful and healthy. Even if we're talking about what we call great sex, what is that? We have a concept of it. We have our memory and experience of what we think it is, but how do you know if you've really had hot sex or not, or great sex? Especially if all you have to go by is the collection of the people that you've had sex with thus far. There are tens of thousands, if not millions of women who've never had their first orgasm before, and maybe that's a good place to dive into our rampage of appreciation, the female orgasm. It's possible for a woman to have an orgasm any number of ways, which is just incredible because as men, we tend to only have one orgasm one way. But there are some women who are a bit like men. They come once and then they're done. That's it. Everything stops. Doors are closed for business. Get off because they got off. That's it. And this is so interesting to witness because a woman will often be very open and into it and feeling it. And then she'll feel this incredible amount of pleasure and then foomp some door closes. Now, sometimes it's because she feels funny or almost like the rubber band has snapped back in the other direction. She becomes a little self-conscious or embarrassed or self-aware that her body has just shuddered so hard in front of someone else. Other times, her body is just so sensitive, it has to close down and stop. It has to relax, retract, and cool off for a little bit. And so like a man, when he has his orgasm, everything just comes to a screeching halt. Similarly, it's possible for a woman to come and 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 come. So much so that men begin to wonder if this woman is insatiable. The times that I've come across women like this, which have actually numbered quite a few, I always have mixed emotions because on the one hand, it's an incredible time and you could just go and go and go and go. But you know, after like orgasm 10 or 15, or 20, you look down with a cocked eyebrow and she's still geared up and ready to go. It's no joke, this is some serious cardio you have to put in to make this happen. Meeting women like this is also really great because it really shines a spotlight on the idea that women really want and love sex too. It's not that men are always so hungry and driven and we're the only ones who are looking for it. Women who are wired like this want it all the time and sometimes even more so than men. You know, for men, most of you will just be able to go for a certain amount of time and then be done, or the feeling stops feeling as good. But my sense of understanding the female orgasm is when you're coming to that extent and it's so much, the sensation in your body is just building and building and building and you become more and more open. And it's very easy to want another and another and another. And why would you want to stop that? Who wouldn't want more? And that leads me to the second part of this, which is 
Jeez, I wish I could do that. And yes, yes, I know you can study Tantra and draw it up your spine, but I think women have such an incredible gift when it comes to the pleasure that their bodies are capable of, and they could feel it in so many places. Here, I want to bring some awareness around this idea of trying to make a woman come or making the entire act of sex or lovemaking about trying to make her come. And also, woman's idea that she's done a good job if a man reaches orgasm, which I don't think is the case at all. More to come on that subject. Ideally, and at least to me, it's about the journey, not the destination. So there's really no need to be orgasm-driven on either person's side. In fact, the more pressure you put on a woman to have an orgasm, the more difficult it becomes for her to come, because now she feels all of the focus is on her. She's being watched. Maybe she feels like she has to perform. Maybe she feels like she's obligated to do something to please you. Even as a man, I'm sure you can imagine if a woman's looking down at you asking, did you come yet? Did we get there? Is that working? It's a little nerve-wracking. It makes it become like you're doing work rather than letting it unfold and letting her come as a result of your togetherness and your closeness, not this results-driven activity. The best wisdom I could give around that subject is that you have to take your attention off of getting her there so that she can get there. Alongside that, I do believe it's important to please a woman first and look out for her pleasure. Why? Because as a man, it's really a no-brainer. Our pleasure is always there. Getting there is never the issue. So it really does just make sense in this case to let ladies go first. I want to do future podcast episodes on men's pleasure because I think that's really important also and I actually feel like that gets ignored more than anything. I don't mean a man's satisfaction or a man having an orgasm, but like things that actually make him feel good during sex other than sex and oral sex. All of this to say, this is a big reminder that when you are having sex, to enjoy the journey, to enjoy the moment, to savor what's happening right now, and you don't need to be so destination or orgasm focused. And if you have trouble reaching orgasm or you haven't had one yet, don't let it hang you up. I actually want to do future podcasts on this subject because there's a lot we can do to help get you there. Like a lot, a lot. There are just so many things both people can do to help her get there for the first time or to help her go from a one orgasm kind of girl to multiple. And I can't wait to share that as well. But if you can't wait and you do want to ask it now, you can go to patreon.com forward slash closeness and get that answered in one of the next podcasts. So I want to add here that when it is time for her to come, that you do have to be destination oriented, that you do have to be doing certain things that will make that happen. So if that sensation starts rising up in her, that's where you really have to tune in. That's where what I love to call deep listening has to take over. And you're moving with her and with her breath. Each stroke becomes about what her body needs and how her body needs to move to unlock that and get her over the edge. At this point, now you are destination-oriented. You are helping her get there by focusing on her orgasm and tuning into what she needs to make it happen. Being destination-oriented with a woman can be a very slippery slope because men can often use this in a way that doesn't serve, which allows us to segue into something a little bit darker. Now I want to talk a little bit about the shadow side of sex and orgasms as it pertains to the male ego. So if you're a man who prides yourself on making a girl come, really ask yourself, why are you doing this? 
Are you that guy who is always taking everyone to dinner because you want to look so good? The kind of guy who in bed is like, please, please, you embarrass me. I am the one who will be making you come over and over and over. Is it really out of the kindness of your heart that you are giving so selflessly? Or does it boost your ego to make you feel good because you made her come? Is your pleasure based on your personal achievement satisfaction or on the fact that you are connected with another human being. And that, my friends, is a very different story than having sex with a woman because you are into her or you like her. Can you take pleasure in the fact that you have closeness and togetherness with someone? It's beautiful to make a woman come, but just take a look at the place where it's coming from. Even during the times when I've been with a woman and she's finished before I have, I see that she gets very concerned that she hasn't done a good job or that she didn't satisfy me through sex, but it's kind of a funny barometer for a woman to use if you think about it, ladies, because every man's going to get there no matter what. I mean, whether you're physically attractive to him or not, whether he likes you or not, no matter what happens, almost inevitably a man is going to reach his orgasm. So never use whether his orgasm is there or not as a determination of whether he's satisfied. That's just sort of the natural, natural way things are going to unfold no matter what you do. I would look at other indicators as how he treats you, how he treats you before, during, and after sex, if he wants to experience closeness with you, and that sort of thing. So all of this to say, you don't need to be in such a hurry to make her come, and you sure as hell don't need to be in a hurry if you're a man to come yourself. Obviously, we can do this in 20 seconds. We can do it on our own. It really does fall on us to hold out. Try enjoying being with her moving inside of her, moving with her and having her feel you. Eye contact, breathing, so many other things besides just trying to thrust to get her there. Now that you understand that it's not all about the orgasm, we're going to continue talking about the orgasm and how it works and how long it takes for a woman to get there, which again varies from person to person. This is for women who have a challenging time either getting there or have only had one, or it takes sometimes 20 or 30 minutes. First of all, absolutely there's nothing wrong with this. Your body is just fine the way it is in this moment. On some level, we have to recognize that we are the way we are in the moment and then shift from there rather than wishing that we were different or hoping we were different. Physiology is just responsible for certain qualities of how our body reacts. But finding a way to get to an orgasm is possible, and it could be something as simple as just shifting the way you breathe to belly breathing, working towards feeling less shy, practicing in front of your partner from a loving, safe place and telling him what you need. I've found that it's something you can get through by trusting more, expressing more vulnerability, and being able to do so with a man who can hold that kind of space for you, where you can be vulnerable and be seen and be that exposed and know that it's not only okay, but very, very desirable. Or we can talk about vibrators. Now, why, you may ask, am I qualified to speak about what women's bodies are capable of? Why me rather than a woman? Well, because I've seen it and I've experienced it firsthand over and over and over again. And I think there's a very particular thing that happens when you're actually going through this with someone not talking about it as a doctor, not studying it, not trying to measure it scientifically, 
not trying to read papers on it, but you're actually seeing what happens in the real world. And certainly there are bisexual or lesbian women who are more than capable of talking about it, and I'd love to hear what they say as well. I do think that women behave a little differently around men when they're alone with men. Men are the ones who are putting ourselves inside of you, and I think there's just a different response there and a different reaction to male energy. Sometimes there's this incredible giving of everything you've got. You cannot give enough of yourself. These are those incredible highs. And also sometimes a shutting down, sometimes a closing off for fear of being judged or shame or that sort of thing. So we really do get to see a lot. So the idea behind speaking about what women's bodies are capable of is just to say that if one woman is capable of it, then maybe you are as well and to also inspire you to the idea of maybe trying some of these new things that you didn't think would actually be pleasurable or you didn't think would work with your body. And of course, I'm not telling you how your body needs to work or should work or ought to work. It's purely for inspirational purposes. With that being said, let's talk about how some women come. And we're going to do that in the next episode. The next episode is going to be very explicit. We're going to talk about how women come, what women like, what's possible, all the great and delicious stuff you probably have been waiting 18 minutes to hear in this episode. We're going to jump right into that in the next one. Before you listen, I want to offer something for you to consider. If you are a woman who is capable of having an orgasm by yourself, but you haven't had one with a man yet, really feel into why that might be the case. How is it that you can make yourself come, but with someone else there or someone else helping you or wanting you to come or doing things for you to do so, you haven't unlocked that yet. Especially if you are the kind of woman who can do it in two minutes. If you're the type of woman who can do it in two minutes, that means you know exactly what you like, how you like it, and where you want to be touched. And it may also likely mean that you refuse to tell anyone else exactly how and where you like to be touched. All right, lots to consider. We'll be jumping in the next episode. As usual, parental guidance is suggested. If you have specific questions, how do I do it? Where do I touch it? What do I do? And you want to get those questions answered ASAP, you can log on to patreon.com forward slash closeness and purchase a question package, a coaching package, and any number of other rewards for supporting the closeness podcasts. All right, let's do this.